Good morning, church. Good morning, online. I am really excited and also so nervous to be here. As you can tell, I am not Pastor Dustin, although he is super dreamy and I love him so much. We are married, so it's okay that I say that. Um, He is a huge sports fan and he loves his football team, the 49ers. I'm sure we've heard a little bit about them. Well, they happen to have made it to this awesome game today called the championship. I think that's what it's called. Um, and he, not a football fan, you guys. I don't, I don't know anything. Um, he was invited to go to the game today. And I looked at him when he talked to his brother last week. And I just said, you have to go. Like, you have an opportunity to go. You need to go. So we have airline points. And so he got to fly for free. He left yesterday afternoon. And he'll be home tomorrow morning. So you get me this morning. Um, And if we haven't met yet, my name is Stephanie. Um, Like I said, I'm married to Pastor Dustin. And I'm going to let you know a few other things you probably don't know about me. Or maybe you do. I love brunch. It is my absolute favorite meal. So if you have a great spot, let's go, but not too early, please. Because I don't love mornings. But With our current life stage with kids, I am a morning person, and I like to get up. Well, I don't like to. I get up early to get a lot of things done. Um, I also love gross medical things. So um, (laughs) I know I look so cute and innocent, right? Um, I love (laughs) to see and hear stories about your finger being cut open, and you scraped your knee, and the bone is shooting out. Like, those are the kind of things that I totally love. I know some people are cringing. Um, If I could love school, which I don't, but you should stay in school and you should go, because I did. You can do it too, youth. Um, If I loved math and science, I would probably be a nurse or a doctor or something super... Probably, like, a wound specialist would be really cool, but... Um, that is, school is not my jam. Uh, lastly, I feel the most free when I am on vacation. So when I have free, meaning I have zero places to be, I have zero responsibilities. Like, duh, who doesn't love that and who isn't free in that area? But um, that relates to a little bit about what we're talking about this morning. And for those of you who haven't heard or know about the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram one. So an Enneagram is a personality test. It's this wheel with numbers and wings, and I definitely recommend you look it up and check it out. But I'm a one, because I am number one. Um, I am a reformer, is what that's called, and also a perfectionist. So it's really hard for me to rest, and we're gonna talk about rest this morning. It's really hard for me to rest until everything is complete and done and perfect and done to what we call in my house the mom standard. So not teen standard, not seven-year-old standard, but the mom standard, done my way. And it may come across that I am harder on other people than I am myself, but I am definitely harder on myself than other people. So this morning we are going to be talking about embracing productive rest. The last few weeks, we have been in a series called Redeeming Our Time. Just a a recap, week one, Pastor Dustin shared five biblical truths about time. The first one is our longing for timelessness. It is good, and it's God-given. Number two, 
sin has ensured that we will die with unfinished symphonies. That was really hard for me to hear. Like, I'm going to die without everything being done. And so is there something that I need to do today so that if I happen to die tomorrow, it will all be done? But I don't have control over that, and I got to let that go. Number three, God will finish the work we leave unfinished. That brings me so much peace. And number four, the gospel is our source of rest and ambition. Number five, we can know how God would manage his time. He sent us Jesus, who is the perfect example for us. Jesus is and was our perfect example on how we should use our time. And then the following week, we dug into letting our yes be yes. My biggest takeaway from this was that we need to be closing the loops in our lives. He talked about, you know, how you get that song in your head that plays over and over and over. It's a small world. You're welcome. Um, that we need to be intentional and close the loops and to be intentional with our responses. Um, and if we need to circle back with somebody to, to do that, don't just leave that loop open because that's still spinning in our mind. We need to dissent from the kingdom of noise and not to let the world distract us because noise limits us. It limits our ability to think, to be creative, to cultivate depth. It limits us to be at peace and limits our ability to listen to God. And Pastor Dustin challenged us to be in solitude. I have a good friend who calls this her office time with God. She shuts the door and just sits in quiet. And that makes so much sense to me to call it her office time with God. And that is one of my favorite things in life is to just sit in silence. But that's really hard to find right, without kids running around, without the phone ringing or notifications going off. It's hard to be in silence. And last week, Pastor Dustin challenged us to prioritize our yeses. And he opened up a little bit about how it's really hard in his life to do that, to be present in each thing. I can attest that. We happen to live together, being married, and so I can see that happening and see that challenge going on. Um, to be present in the here and now and to not be pulled into the next thing that's coming up. Not to be pulled into our social media or our texts. And he reminded us that Jesus offers us peace, a peace that we can only get from God. And last week, my key takeaway was when we are where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to do, be present and be all in. Not halfway, not one toe dipped in, checking the water to be all the way in. So these last few weeks for me have been challenging, practical, and also really good reminders, especially as we're starting out a new year. And these past weeks have um, led us into this morning, and we're going to be talking about productive rest, which does that go together? What is productive rest? How do we have productive rest? How did Jesus model productive rest? Why do we need productive rest? So before we dig in, let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this place to be together with our family, with your family, God. Thank you that everybody is here this morning, that whether online or in person, will you just open our hearts and our minds? 
Will you continue to challenge us? We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So grab your Bible, whether it's physical or digital, whatever you choose. We're going to open up to the book of Mark. We're going to hang out there a little bit this morning. We're going to start in Mark 6, and then we're going to go back to Mark 4, so probably just a few pages back. And then we're going to go back to the Old Testament. So those are where we're going to be, but mostly we're going to be spending our time in Mark. So Mark chapter 6, verse 30 to 32, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they went away in the boat by themselves to a remote place. So number one, we need to take daily breaks. Right after Jesus rested, he did this really cool miracle. Most of us have probably heard about it, feeding of the 5,000. Jesus, before this, had gathered his buddies, and he rested. They had been so busy that the text says they haven't even had time to eat. Have you had those days? You know, when you're running around, shuttling your kids from place to place, probably didn't pack a snack or a lunch. Maybe you're so consumed in a work activity that you forget to eat. Maybe you don't have time to eat. But that's how busy they had been. And Jesus said, rest. Rest for a while. So how often should we take a break? Time Magazine wrote an article about the exact amount of time to take a break. So I'm going to put up a couple. Well, I'm not. Donald's going to put up a couple options of how much work versus rest we should have. And option A is work four hours and take a 30-minute break. I'm going to list off four options, and then we're going to vote at the end. Option B, I know, do we rest? Work for 52 minutes and take a 17-minute break. C, work for one hour, take a 10-minute break. Or option D, work all eight-plus hours and take zero breaks. Who thinks it's option A? Who thinks it's option B? Who thinks it's option C? Oh, who thinks D? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, according to Time Magazine, the option is B. Work 52 minutes and take a 17-minute break. Why? Time Magazine said to be super focused, hyper focused on your work for 52 minutes. Be all in and you will actually accomplish more and make less mistakes. And then during that 17 minute break, actually fully disengage, walk away, do something else. And when you go back to your work for the next 52 minutes, you will be super uber productive. So in our country, you know, that's not, like the government doesn't say, take 52 minutes of work and 17-minute break. They say, oh, in our lovely state of Washington, they say work for four hours and you have to have a 10-minute break and you get a 30-minute lunch in between hours two and five. I don't really think that either of those work 
for my life. Um, you know, going back to what Time Magazine says, I think it's really fascinating, and I actually tried it. While I was writing my sermon, I tried to be super focused for those 52 minutes, knock out, see where I could go, how I could develop my talk, and then take a 17-minute break. Well, let me tell you, that is nearly impossible for my life. Even if you put your phone on Do Not Disturb, which is a great option, you will get interrupted. You will still get interrupted with children. Um, and if you take a 17-minute break, you can get a lot done in 17 minutes, but there's not necessarily a lot of rest time happening in that 17 minutes. Teachers, would this work for you? Moms, does this work for you? First responders, can you only work for 52 minutes and then take a 17-minute break? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So where's the happy medium? Going back to the book of Mark, Jesus and his crew worked super hard and then took a break. So we aren't Jesus, newsflash. So we probably need more breaks than just one big one. But we need to figure out what's best for us, for our lives. That's how, what's going to be best for us. And for me, I have been trying not to scroll mindlessly while resting, you know, scrolling on Facebook or Instagram, but to fully disengage and even sometimes going into my um, not-so-secret, secret hiding place out in plain sight that I have um, and taking a rest there or finding just a few minutes to read a few paragraphs in a book. I've tried to carry, kind of carry my book around my house as I'm resting. And so in any time that I think, oh, I'm going to pull out my phone, and I still do, I still pull out my phone, and I go, I just took the Instagram app off my phone, and I go to push it, and it's not there. And that is my clue of, wow, I really have been totally addicted to that. And how am I going to fill that time? And so I've started picking up a book. Now, I'm not very far into my book, but... A new, a new rhythm has been starting. Um, one of my favorite commentaries is this cool little book. It's called The Barclay Commentary. And I don't know if any of you love old books, but it smells like an old book. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and these are extra special to me, too, because they were Dustin's grandpa's. And he was a pastor. Um, and he has notes in these and underlying um, areas so they're, they're near and dear to my heart. But this little commentary says that there is a danger of too much constant activity. Okay, this was written in the 50s. There is a danger of too much constant activity. No man can work without rest, and no man can live the Christian life unless he gives himself times with God. We need our breaks. And we need to have breaks with God, like I said, not just on our phones or social media. We need breaks. And we need to have breaks with God and not just on our phones or social media. I'm repeating that for myself. Not, none of you have that problem, I'm sure. I am so guilty of just zoning out with my phone and scrolling on Instagram, looking at pretty home decor and yummy food, and when I say take a break, I'm not saying take a break away from God. I'm saying that this is a break with our direction towards God. 
So number two, nightly sleep. Who doesn't love sleep? Teens, do you love your sleep? It is so good. Jesus got sleep. So if you flip back in your Bible to Mark chapter 4, verse 38. So good. So good. It says, he was in the stern, sleeping, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up. Jesus was sleeping, and what happens right after this is he calms a storm. There's a crazy storm happening all around. But Jesus was sleeping. He was fully human and fully God all at the same time. This concept to me is like, you know that emoji where the like brain is popping off? That is how I feel about Jesus being fully God and fully human. But in this little spot, it's just a glimpse of his human side. He needed sleep, just like us. And he had just done a bunch of speaking to groups of people, and I'm sure he was pretty exhausted. For those of us introverts, that is me with two hands, it's like being with a large group of people, like really big, and you're having a bunch of small talk along the way, and you get home and you're just like, I'm done. No more. <laughs> Don't make me do it again. And you want to stare at a wall or take a nap or go to sleep or just check out of the world. You know, all that people, people energy. It's too people out there. We, we say that in my house. The smart science people at the Mayo Clinic say that teens, see you guys, need eight to 10 hours of sleep. Aurora, you are not a teen yet. You need 10 to 12 hours of sleep. <laughs> Adults, we need a minimum of seven hours. Seven hours. And if we're sleep deprived, then we need to catch up at some point, or that lack of sleep will catch up with us. That has definitely happened to me. Our bodies show us when we don't have enough sleep, right? We get sick, we get moody. We can gain weight. No, thank you. I can do that all by myself. Or even become depressed. And according to Matthew Walker, who is a renowned sleep expert, which my next job, I think I'm going to become a sleep expert, he says that a failure to get adequate sleep is worse for your performance, and it's an equivalent of having an absence of food or exercise, or even can be like showing up to work drunk. In addition, routinely sleeping less than six or seven hours a night demolishes your immune system. More, it can more than double your risk of cancer. Um, it can also lead to psychiatric conditions, including depression, anxiety, and suicide. So sleep is really, really important. I will always, always choose sleep. Anytime I think that I need a nap, I just remind my family, Jesus did it. Elijah did it. After he called fire down from heaven, he also took a nap. I am not either of those people, nor I probably won't call fire down from heaven. But we need rest. And again, I know it is not that simple. And it doesn't happen that quickly in my house either. Sometimes I wish it did. So adults and teens... 
we need to go to bed on time so we are ready for what the next day brings us. My next point this morning, number three, is Sabbath rest. What is Sabbath? According to the dictionary, Sabbath is a religious observance, and it's from abstaining from work. So for the Jews in the Bible, it happened from Friday night to Saturday night. For most of us, today, Sunday, would be your Sabbath, right? In the Warford household, in our house, Friday is our Sabbath because today is a work day, newsflash. So we take Friday. But Sabbath, Sabbath is a gift. God gave it to us. When the Ten Commandments were handed down to Moses, these commandments were given just weeks after Israel's exodus from Egypt, where they had been in slavery for more than 400 years. That's more than four centuries of back-breaking work under the hands of ruthless slave masters, screaming, get back to work, make them work harder. It's in Exodus 5. And God recognized that they needed a Sabbath. And it was vital for their health and also their relationship with God. We live in a culture and a time where our world says, do more, do it now. And I often find myself saying, work hard and play hard, right? So like I said earlier, Sabbath rest is really hard for me. Sabbath rest means that I need to prepare ahead of time and think it through and plan accordingly. This isn't a day or days to check all the things off on your to-do list, but it's a day to reflect on what God has been up to. Yes, sometimes Sabbath does turn into a project day, like clean out the garage. And I think that that's okay because that means that I get to have extra rest on other Sabbath days, but that's not really the right way to treat our Sabbath. Like I said earlier, I'm an Enneagram one, and so my personality type, like I said, is a reformer or a perfectionist, and I have really high standards for others, but mostly for myself. Productivity just runs through my blood with coffee, and so I have a really hard time just sitting and watching or sitting in silence. I either fall asleep in 0.5 seconds, because you know sleep is important, or my mind is planning the next thing, whether it is meal planning, planning what events are coming next week, who do I need to contact, oh, maybe we should do a project in our backyard. My mind is always racing. These things aren't usually part of productive rest. I'm not usually reflecting on what God has been doing in our lives. And rest was my word of the year. I don't know if anybody picks out a word of the year, but in 2020, my word for the year was rest. And I learned how to rest. I learned how to binge on Netflix in 2020. I learned how to bake a new cookie. I didn't bake bread. Um, I cleaned out a lot of closets a lot of closets, and it was just a way for me to cope with stress. And this isn't the kind of rest that God is commanding, has told us to do. Before God even tells us to rest, he gives us the example of rest in Genesis. 
So we go to the very beginning of our Bibles, to Genesis. Chapter 2, we're going to look at where God rested. And remember, this is the God who created the heavens and the earth, the animals, everything, all things, and he rested. So Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. We are by no means God, nor should we want to be, nor do I want to be, and we did not create this world and all of its beauty. There's no way that I could have created the sunsets and the sunrises, our beautiful mountain, gorgeous Hawaii. But I am not sure about you, but I want to sit on my seventh day and say it is good and rest. I am a part of Bible Study Fellowship, also known as BSF, and I've been doing it for a handful of years. And a few years ago, we studied the book of Genesis. And I went back to look through my notes this past week, and my BSF notes that were provided to me said, True rest, and this is about Genesis 2, true rest comes when we cease striving and find peace and contentment in God and his provision. Our reluctance to rest may reveal we wrongly believe everything depends on us. Intentional rest with deliberate focus on God postures our hearts and lives to acknowledge God's sovereign control over us and our dependence on him. Intentional rest with deliberate focus on God postures our hearts and our lives to acknowledge God's sovereign control over us and our dependence on him. God didn't say that it is perfect, even though it was. He said it is good. And I want to be like God and say it is good and rest on my Friday Sabbath. On my Sabbath, I want to say, God, thanks for being good Thanks for giving us good, even in the trials and the chaos of my life. And I want to say it is good because God is good. Please hear me. I am not perfect. I am only practically perfect in every way. I do not claim to be 100 million percent perfect. My kids are crazy. I love them dearly, but I lose it. I lose it. And an example is uh, last Monday or the Monday before, I came home from work and they were supposed to have their chores done before I got home from work. And they weren't done. And this had been, I think it was MLK Day. They had had the whole day off. I was at work all day, let me remind you. I lost it. I lost it. I started yelling at them. I had no patience, no grace for them because I had worked all day and they had like three things to do, maybe, max. So I am nor I'm just a normal person who loses it. Other trials that I have, do you hear these little cuties upstairs? <laughs> um, they're having fun up there. Um, my other trials are feeling in inadequate for the people around me. And I know if that doesn't matter. 
my trials are my relationship with food. Is it good for my body, or can I just eat all the ice cream all the time? My trials are not getting so upset when things don't go my way. My trials include the health of my family members and close friends as we walk through and support them through circumstances that are out of our control and usually health-related. But what I do know is that we serve a big God who does great and big things, and even he rested. In Psalm 23, a psalm I would say most of us who grew up in church probably memorized, and as a kid, I had no idea how good this psalm was, but Psalm 23, verses 2 through 3, says, He lets me lie down in green pastures. Yes, please. Lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. Or one of my new favorite cool kid translations, chat GPT. He makes me kick back in green pastures and leads me to chill by quiet waters. He gives my soul a reboot and guides me down the right paths for the sake of his street cred. Um, if you don't know what Chad GPT is, you can ask any of these cool kids sitting up here in the front row. I do not endorse this translation of the Bible, but it's fun. It's super fun. And I understand that Sabbath rest is going to look a little bit different for everybody in this room. We're all in various life stages, and our Sabbath rest is going to look different at different stages in our life, too. As parents, our Sabbath rest has been a roller coaster. Right now, we're in what we call the sweet spot of Sabbath rest. Friday, like I said, is our day. Friday, Pastor Dustin and I shut the world out, unless there's an emergency, which does happen. Friday is our rest day. It usually involves sharing a meal together, going on a walk, sometimes we take a nap, sleep is important. It's just a usually, it's just a pretty chill day, unless there is no school or a half day. I call those rest ruiners because this means my children are around and I love them, don't get me wrong, I love them. But it's very different when your kids are around. Rest looks very different. And I realize that right now this is a huge gift for us. Next year, our girls are going to be at two different schools. Aurora's going to have an earlier schedule. And so our Sabbath is going to look very different next year than it does this year. And Sabbath rest hasn't always been a regular part of our lives. It was more work hard, work harder, rest when we're on vacation, or rest when we're sick rest when our babies were sick. And I think if we had learned how to Sabbath rest earlier in our lives, we would have been even better parents. And not going to lie, we think we're pretty cool parents. Um, we're not those boring parents that we talk about. Um, we embarrass our children to the umpteenth. So now very little actually embarrasses our, parent, our, uh, our kids. But I think if we had made Sabbath rest a regular part of our lives earlier on, I would have been an even calmer parent. I probably wouldn't have worried as much about the dumb stuff. My immediate, uh, my immediate response wouldn't have been yelling or a timeout. 
Worship team, you guys can come on up. It, it would have looked really different for our lives. So my challenge for all of us this morning is to start having a regular Sabbath rest. Start small. It could just be two hours that you plan for and then slowly move to a whole day. It does take planning ahead, and it also takes having really good boundaries and being willing to stand up for your boundaries. There is, boundaries is a whole other sermon series. But boundaries give us permission and guidelines on how to say yes and how to say no. And on Fridays, like I said, we say no to almost everything. Now, there are times, for example, where Pastor Dustin gets asked to share at Celebration Kids Chapel. And for him, that's life-giving and life-filling. And so we plan ahead for that. We know when it's coming, and he will say yes. And so our Sabbath is switched up just a little bit. So just like all other habits, it takes time for them to set in. Give yourself grace, lots of grace. Don't be hard on yourself. If it doesn't work out perfectly the first time, try again and again and again. And start your time with reflection on what God has done. Sit in silence. Go on a walk and pray. Talk to God. Just have a conversation with him. And the more you practice Sabbath rest, the easier the habit and the rhythm will happen. Rhythms, just small rhythms for us to incorporate into our lives. Daily breaks, walking away from our work for just a few minutes and pray, even take a cat nap, maybe read a few pages of a book. Let's get nightly rest. Let's care for our bodies so we won't be burned out. And lastly, let's be a church who Sabbaths well. Let's step away from our normal, everyday chaos and rest in what God has done in our lives. Let's pray. God, thank you for Sabbath rest. Thank you for setting the example of what that looks like for us. And you set that example at the very beginning of time. Thank you for sending Jesus to show us that humans, we can do it. We can take breaks, have good sleep, and rest because you are good and you have given us amazing things, God. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share with your church this morning, with our people, our community, God. Just love them so much. And would you just bless them this week as we go? Would you remind us of what we heard this morning Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and for being constant. In your name we pray, amen.